Welcome to Stranger Bridgerland Podcast. True stories of the paranormal, ghosts, hauntings, cryptids, glitches, and more. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make podcasts with everything you need in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record, edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make podcasts in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hey guys, welcome to Stranger Bridgeland Podcast. I'm John and Annie and Annie, and we're excited to be here with you guys today. Um, we uh, had our little trip to Twin Falls to do book signing yesterday, and that was a lot of fun. And it we, was, yeah. We get to meet a lot of good people, and it was it was fun. Learn some new stories, and I think yeah. my favorite part is of meeting new people is just having those conversations and and hearing them start with, "Oh no, I don't want anything to do with this," <laughs> and then and then twenty minutes later, you're talking to them about all these experiences that they grew up with. It's it's kind of fun to see that transition of them being afraid to talk about it to really enjoying having someone to talk about it with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's it's a lot of fun, and you always hear new and fun stories, and we got to hear people's stories about their haunted houses they grew up in, and you know, even intrigue about murder and the ghost of murder, and it was it was a lot of fun um, to do and meet people and sign some books, and yeah, it was a good trip for sure. So, and. Uh, we want to wish everybody, um, all the fathers out there, a happy Father's Day. We're recording on Father's Day, and it's going to be out on Father's Day. So, happy Father's Day to everybody out there. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. We're, it's kind of tough that we've cut back to once a week to talk about it, but gives me time to do a little bit more um, research. research and just kind of crack into things, and it's been a lot of fun, so... Uh, this this week is a, a really good one. Uh, it's uh, Stranger Appalachians, the Appalachian Mountains. I don't know much about that. So, a little history. The Appalachian Mountains are actually some of the oldest in the world. Um, but they, they're actually so old, they originally, when they first got pushed up by tectonic plates and everything, they were actually taller than any of the other mountains in the world at the time. But... Since they're also the oldest, they, they've they eroded down and they're not as tall as they used to be. But it's it's interesting that that makes the history a lot, you know, older. And mm. this is this is on the east coast of the United States. It runs from the southern part of New York down through Georgia, Alabama, and into Mississippi. So I like to think of the Appalachians as the Rocky Mountains of the east because we live in the Rocky Mountains. And, uh, but, which are not as old, but yeah, it just runs along there. And, and there's so many strange things that, uh, that go on there and just some of the weird, you know, stuff. And it, it, 
it goes from again like a lot of that we talk about from cryptids and ghosts and folklore ufos missing people it's it's just kind of crazy the amount of weird things that go on there um yeah. through the appalachians it's amazing that that they can tell that they're so much older like that i mean there must be some way to to tell that but if if our mountains here on the west coast um, have mm. such weird things happening. I can only imagine what's happening in the mountains on the East Coast if they're even older. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of. And again, we talk about too that um, you know history is is all over the world, but um, as America with with some of the stuff, some of the older ghost stories definitely come from the East and and push through from through the West. But um, the Appalachians have always been. <clears throat> really a strange strange place even from the beginning uh in the 18th century it was um well the native americans they can trace back um through archaeology back 1600 years that they uh, the native americans were in the appalachians so that's a long time too and they have a great deal of folklore that's going on uh through there and in the 18th century um, Scottish and Irish uh, de um, descendants were the main people that um, that started living there and inhabiting it. Um, the Scotch-Irish uh, descendants, um, Protestants mostly, that um, moved in and and started inhabiting and farming and. Uh, and there's they're known for other than the paranormal. They're known for the bluegrass. Um, sound came from their music hard-working people it's also known for a lot of um, really um, low-income kind of a thing that go that's gone on there especially during the Great Depression but you know it it's really cool um, some of the folklore and the cryptids that um, come in through there I wanted to go through some of the the cryptids because they have cool names and and again for those of you out there i tried to get the right pronunciation pronunciation and if i screw it up let me know but um <clears throat> there's one that's called the wampus beast oh nice wampus Wamp, or wampus beast okay and this one's really cool because uh it's a large black feline cat that um is uh, spotted throughout, um, in particular, West Virginia and uh, Virginia, the Appalachians through there. And a lot of uh, people have seen it in a place called Pleasant County. And uh, the wampus is a huge black cat, but it's four times the size, supposedly, of a mountain lion. Oh, wow. It's, it's around between five and 600 pounds with massive, massive claws, known to kill cattle and um, attack animals and kill pets. And um, it, it's, it's... It's not a panther. No, it's not a panther. It's, it's like almost like a huge... Um, the drawings that I saw and the descriptions almost seem like the same kind of body type of a huge um, saber-toothed tiger. Ooh. Black saber tooth tiger, but with not quite as big saber teeth, kind of a deal. 
Um, and that goes back through to Native Americans that talk about that. And then, of course, um, the inhabitants now talk about it, too. And, and supposedly there's still um, sightings of it now, uh, even to today, which is kind of weird. Uh, but wow. it's it's huge. Like I said, 600 pounds. It, it has the smell of a wet dog and skunk combined, which I found was interesting because that's how also Bigfoot is kind of associated with a really bad smell like that. Huh. So that was kind of interesting to find out that, that they had that in, in common. So that was that was weird. That's a cool one, though. I kind of like that. I don't think that I'd like to be <clears throat> close enough to whatever that is to be able to describe the smell. Describe the smell, right? And what's interesting is large black cats is... Um, sightings that they see all over the world too maybe not this big this one's really big and in particular to this area but even in england they have sightings of large black cats um and even to today they have sightings of large black cats and and strange killings of of livestock that's associated with it so it's interesting that that kind of goes across worlds as it was yeah um, for sure uh, one more, th another one that's I really like is called the smoke wolf and other wolf type creatures that they see in the Appalachians. Um, again, it's solid black and massive uh, black wolf with um, large canines. And uh, it's said that it has red eyes that glow like the sun. Huh. And the, another thing that's funny about that is throughout all of my you know, interviewing of people and talking to people. Those kind of animals are seen all over as well. Large black dogs. Um, there's been sightings in Utah that I know of. And um, even the fact that they talk about the, um, the smoke wolf sometimes being seen walking on two feet like a werewolf. Hmm. And again, tacking people or... Um, creatures, your cats, um, livestock. It's it's really kind of strange. Are they nocturnal beasts? Mm -hmm. Because I was going to say, why are they all black? That would make them very easy to spot. Yeah, yeah, usually nocturnal. Okay. Um, most, most animals, uh, most of the, the cryptids are, are nocturnal creatures okay. for some reason. And that um, makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, they would be jet black like that. But... Um, large black wolves have been seen all over through the Appalachians. Again, even unto, up to today, they see them. Um, but there's not supposed to be any wolves in the Appalachians at all. They have um, coyotes, and they have wild dogs, and they have... So you, what's going on in on the East Coast right now, which is kind of big, is there's a, there's a hybrid of coyotes and wolves that are running around, especially in the northern part of the of the east coast um but it, it those aren't giant black dogs i guess you could say so you know it's it would be really hard to dismiss or misidentify one of those because they're not black either they're mm. kind of gray or gray or brown like a, a coyote so um it's really it's it's really cool, though. I mean, I would love to see one from afar. How does that from sound? Afar, from afar. Yeah, from afar. I'd take that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But And the glowing red eyes is definitely kind of a scary thing, for sure. Well, and it's something we've heard before in other mm -hmm. cryptids that's mm -hmm. um, pr 
pretty interesting. Right. And what's really cool, or, in, you know, really cool, is if you go back into um, the Native American folklore, uh, seeing the, the black wolf or the smoke wolf is an omen of bad luck or something bad is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also, you know, filters down through... Um, a lot of times you, you have Native American folklore and it filters down through... Um, the European folklore or combines, which, you know, is very interesting too. I have a theory that, um, that not always, but sometimes there are things in the woods that are just entities that take the shape of what people give them. If that makes sense, that would explain a lot why you have these stories on Reddit that people talk about. Um, like Slender Man or The Siren. Um, we're, I, I, I do this every episode, but we're going to do a whole ep- whole show on monsters of Reddit that are coming true. Huh. Um, but these are things that somebody has made up, but now people are starting to see them. And so I have a theory that these, these um, creatures are these things that are in the forest, these spirits in the forests, take shape of what you give them kind of a deal um if you're afraid of it then it'll take the shape of that so maybe they're more otherworldly right they could be otherworldly but you know you were walking in the woods and you're like oh gee i hope i don't see a giant black wolf and then all of a sudden you see a giant black wolf you know it's like don't think of pink elephants and then you think of pink (laughs) elephants kind of a deal that's just a theory that i have um after interviewing a lot of people, you know, and, and talking to them. But then there's also creatures like there. I've interviewed people who've had run-ins with like black eyed kids, but they never knew about black eyed kids until they're like, Oh, I had this experience. And then they hear somebody else had that same experience. So they're like, Oh, I'm not alone. So it could be a mixture of both, if that makes sense. But, uh, definitely could be one of those kind of things. And along with, um, Along with, and going along with the same kind of, same kind of cool concept is um, this animal. It's called the Grim, or Grims, okay. And what Grims are are large black dogs with red eyes that protect Appalachian cemeteries. Huh. They, uh, you know, if you go into an Appalachian cemetery at night, especially planning on doing something you're not supposed to. They're, uh, they're protected by Grimm's. And what Grimm's are, are, like I said, large black dogs um, that protect family plots or protect cemeteries in general. And it, it, this actually goes back to um, European folklore. And when you, back in the day, when they started a cemetery, okay, say you were starting a new cemetery... Um, the people would bury a live dog in the cemetery thinking or expecting its spirit to turn into a grim and protect the cemetery. You were telling me. I think that's one of the weirdest traditions I think I've heard. Right, right. Um, yep, they would bury a live dog and then its spirit would turn into a grim 
to protect the cemetery and protect the dead in the cemetery. Well, it's not, and it's not the first time that I've heard of people killing an animal to protect a structure. Mm-hmm. Like, they yep. used to, to kill an animal and put it underneath a home mm-hmm. or, you know, before they built it, and that was supposed to be something that would, you know, give them a good omen to build that home there and that things would go well. Right. And, and you and I talked about this a little bit um, the other day. The Vikings used to, the Vikings and the Celts and the um, Druids, they all used to do stuff like this, human sacrifice. They used to do human sacrifice. Now, when they all converted to Christianity, um, they, they got rid of human sacrifice, but kind of undertones of folklore that came through they started sacrificing animals for different reasons, including for um, homes. When they built a home um, or something like that, a sacrifice of chicken to put underneath it to protect the home. And and that goes along with also like grim kind of a deal. When when the Christian Christianity came through, they had to integrate a lot of, um, I guess, uh, um, paganist symbolism through it to help people transition and and that's kind of been proven with christmas and stuff like that which you know doesn't degrade the christianity side of it but that's just how it went same with halloween and and stuff like that kind of helps um (laughs) you know the pagans transition from their paganism to christianity and and lets everybody feel included (laughs) lets everybody feel included right and so i think that that grim is is part of that it's like an old echo from those times when people used to, you know, bury a live dog in the cemetery to bless the cemetery and, and create a spirit to watch over it. And and so older cemeteries and in the Appalachians still have grims supposedly that protect the cemeteries, which um, is, is kind of cool and creepy and weird all at the same time. What keeps coming to mind is all of these are like black with red eyes. So are right. they... Are the red eyes supposed to be menacing so you go away before you have to deal with I them? I guess. Or I don't know. Does that help them see? If a, if a red-eyed dog was growling at me, I'd be super scared. Um, what's interesting about this, and um, I was just reading for this episode about the Grimm. Um, in my new book that's coming out, I have a story. I interviewed a, a gal and... Um, when she was in high school living here in Cache Valley, her and her boyfriend went to the Menden Witch Tree and were being disrespectful and everything like that. And as they were trying to leave, the truck wouldn't start. His truck wouldn't start. And all of a sudden, a giant black dog with red eyes jumped on the hood of their truck and was peering in at them and growling and then disappeared like it was in smoke, like it poofed into smoke kind of a deal. And so I wonder if that's a cemetery up there somewhere or something that that was a grim. Was that a grim that I didn't even know was was called a grim? You know, Maybe. at the time, Maybe. kind of weird. But huh. it's really fascinating for sure because there's a lot of things that go on at the witch tree above Menden on the Wellsville Mountains. So, but that was a cool story that that connected um, when I was reading more about the grim uh, for this episode. You know, it's funny, the difference between you and me is we're both, we're both believers, but John's like, I want to go see it. And I'm like, 
I'm okay with knowing about it. <laughs> I might tag along with you, but right. you can do that. You can do that part. Yeah. I, when you grow up in a haunted house, you know, it's more fascinating than scary in a lot of ways. So, you know, since I was little, I grew up with, a, you know, ghosts and things going on. So it doesn't scare me. It just fascinates me. And, and I always look for more, a new adventure. Or I know, thing. but... Some of these things are way different than the things that you saw in your house. You right. didn't see anything menacing in your right. house. Right, right. Yeah, and and there is a fine line between malevolent and, and, you know, not. So it's, you know. And normal and crazy wanting to see it in person. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, guys. Yeah, no, that's true. But I, I'm not normal. You, you know that. <laughs> you know I'm not normal. Um, the other things that went on. That are cool. So those are some of the cryptids. And of course you had the the two others that I'll just kind of touch on is Bigfoot. Bigfoot is is known all throughout the Appalachians. But they, he goes by different names in different areas just because of, you know, they give they give them weird names there. I don't want to sound weird, but they're like, it's kind of like Australia where we like have normal names for things. And they're like, it's a willy bim bim bum bum And you're like, what? It's just a snake. No, it's a willy beginning to go. It's kind of the same thing in the Appalachians. They like to give them weird names. Um, Was, and like, so, is the sorry. So, is Mothman out that way too? Yes, Mothman is part of um, West Virginia, which is along the Appalachians there. And um, I just wanted to touch a little bit on, on the Mothman okay. because, again, that can be an entire episode itself. Um, for those of you that don't know, the Mothman showed up in West Point. Uh, um, no, Point Pleasant. Sorry, not West Point. He didn't go to the military school. Um, <laughs> he went to Point Pleasant in, in the 60s, showed up, and people started seeing them uh, before uh, what ended up being a horrible accident with the bridge collapsing and a bunch of people being killed and, and the Mothman being seen there at the bridge before. So... I didn't really even know about Mothman until I was kind of looking for pictures to put on our Para-X bag last year, and I mm -hmm. saw sort of a... I came across a lot of pictures of Mothman, and I just never heard. So it came from this bridge incident, supposedly? That... Yeah. So Mothman, and what's funny is um, Mothman has shown up in a lot of other places as well, but he always shows up before a big accident or problem. Oh. So there's even some um, some rumors um, that I, I haven't been able to substantiate these rumors, but there were rumors that he showed up um, in Chernobyl weeks before the Chernobyl accident. Wow. People saw this creature. But because it was behind the Iron Curtain at the time and everything, it was really hush-hush and, and people still don't like to talk about it. But he seems to show up right before a major accident for some reason. Kind of like the the Bodax in Odd Thomas. Oh right! I On wonder if he's show, there as a, as a if he's there as a warning or if he's there because he's like a Bodak and he wants to be there. Maybe he wants to be there. Maybe he likes the the, the suffering kind of a thing. Is oh, yeah. um, John Keel who wrote a book all about it, and I suggest you you know for if you're really interested in Mothman, you should read John Keel's book. Um, but he explains it a little bit like this, too. Um, if if you were in a city and you were standing on top of a building and you could see down the road that there was an accident 
and um, you were looking into somebody else in a car that was driving down the road towards the accident and you can see ahead that they can't see ahead you know but you know does that make you a god just because you can see the accident down the road before they get to see it or does it and and would you you know, try and contact them to warn them that there's an accident up ahead and they need to go to another road so they can get through. And, and the whole point of that is, is he just an observer or is he trying to warn people or does he just know that things are going to happen? It's it's really fascinating. It's kind of that multidimensional thing, animals that can see, or creatures that can see the future it's it gets really deep i'm gonna be honest it gets really deep so mothman shows up at your place of work you're like i'm taking a week off i'm taking a couple weeks it's gonna happen but something's happening right exactly and so um yeah it it, that's mothman's really fascinating thing and they have a whole one one day i would love to go there with you and to the mothman festival they have a whole festival a whole there. Festival? They have a whole festival there. Yep, they've got a statue. They've got all kinds of things. It would be really cool to go. I, I'd go to a festival. Yeah, okay. it's, it's really cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's Mothman's definitely in um, in the Appalachians and uh, great, you know, kind of along the Great Smoky Mountains, Appalachian Trail, spooky things going on. That's a big one for sure. Is the Mothman? Um, some of the other things that go on. There, uh, there are what's called the Brown Mountain Lights. Okay, so there's the Brown Mountains in North Carolina have eerie ghost lights on the mountain that you can see all the time at night. Um, they float down through the trees and and um, they're kind of like giant orbs. And um, we've seen that story on our mountains on the yeah, west. Yeah. Got uh, we, there's like different that. places that have those kind of things. This one is um a lot more consistent, I guess, is why the, it's more well known. Oh. It happens most nights, I guess. Um and what was funny is the stories of them of the lights go back as far back as the generations, you know. Um even the Native Americans talk about it. But these scientists came up and and did a study and they're like, "Oh, it's just lights from cars bouncing off of the atmosphere and blah, blah, blah. And everybody's like, well, there wasn't cars in the 1700s, you know, and yet people still saw them. But it's it, it's it's really kind of cool. Um, they talk about it being the lights of um, either Native American ghosts. They talk about Civil War soldier ghosts up there, and maybe that's what it is. But a lot of people have seen those lights. Um they're really kind of a famous lights, um, seeing the glowing orbs hovering above just a, above the ground in the sky, and then they suddenly disappear, and they're soundless. In a soundless explosion, they'll kind of disappear. So that's really fascinating for them. Uh, I would love to go see that sometime too. I've got a bucket list as long as both my legs. So we're gonna. Eventually, we'll be independently wealthy and be able to travel the world and see all of these fun things. Yeah. That'd be good. You'll have to experience them with me, though, so. Yeah. Everybody needs to share so that we can we can get big and retire and just do this. We just can do keep this. you all informed. Yep. We'll do three podcasts a week as soon as we get to that point, guys. It'll be fun. Two or three. Yeah. <laughs> I've got my wide eyes. Like, that's a lot. That is a lot. Um. 
Another one that I found that I really liked is called The Moon-Eyed People. Moon-Eyed The Moon-Eyed People, okay? And this actually comes from a Cherokee Legends um, is where it started. Uh, these are a race of small bearded people, sounding familiar, um, who live in the mountains. They're nocturnal, so they have big, bright, you know, eyes. That, that's where they get the name Moon-Eyed People. Um, they, uh, they're a, a mysterious little race that lives in the mountains and, um, they, uh, they were in the, I guess, little Tennessee river in Kentucky and all the way around there. They talk about them. These little, these little men that uh, run around, they live in holes down in caves. They only come out at night. They're nocturnal. And their eyes white? Their eyes are wide and, and kind of glow. Like a like an animal at night when, you're, when your light hits them. Oh, kind yeah. of like that. Yeah. And again, that goes um, along with, you know, we were talking about the fey people and fairies and, and how they are all over the world kind of a deal, only under different names. So, you know, this could be another name for a gnome or a troll or something like that. Um, Pakwaji you know, fall under that kind of category as well. But, um, they don't go out during the, they have like really pale skin and the bright eyes and they don't go out in the sun because they're nocturnal and the sun hurts their, you know, their eyes and their skin. And so you can only see them at dusk or at night. Um, and there's many stories of the natives being at war with them. Really? At times. Yep. Uh, because apparently they're they're nasty little creatures that are just ornery and mean and don't like people around their stuff. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And again, it goes right along with the Fae. It's another story of, um, of fairies, but told from another, you know, place in the world and another culture. But I found that was really fascinating and really cool. I didn't find any recent stories of people seeing them. However, there are stories of people running into gnomes and trolls and stuff like that. There was a story I came across um, of a woman and her daughter, and her daughter started telling her there was a little man living in, in their backyard, in the, and she started seeing it at night. It was a little troll guy that would come out at night. Out, He was living in the back of their um, shop thing that they had back there, <laughs> and she swears up and down. She saw him many times. Oh, wow. I think they eventually had to burn the the building down to get him to leave or something like that so that's kind of mean uh, yeah right <laughs> it's I, you think of stuff like that and you're like oh it's just fairy tales but there are people that still come across them today and so you just wonder i mean they're really rare even more rare than obviously bigfoot or ufos but mm -hmm. you just wonder what it's all about well then the, it's just like it's just like bigfoot the more population sort of grows out into these remote more remote areas the more people are going to kind of have stories around these things right mm -hmm. yeah because yeah. we're going to be encroaching on their little right. territories right and i think we talked about this once before but in um iceland they still move roads around certain rock formations instead of you know destroying the rock formations because they say the gnomes live there and they're not going to, and trolls live there and they're not going to disturb them. They make troll sanctuaries and, 
and stuff like that. This is modern day kind of a deal. So okay. reminds me a little bit, and this is off subject, so we'll get back on subject really quick. But that lady we talked to yesterday, and she said that um, her grandmother taught her when she went to the chicken coop that you always avoid this little spot. Right. And it was faster just to walk through the spot. So she never understood why her grandma walked around that spot. She goes, no, 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 we just don't. Yeah. We just don't. That's not a good spot. We don't like that spot. Yeah. There's weird things that happen in that little spot. So let's, let's avoid it. So it's, I'm sure it's kind of like that. Right. That was very interesting. Yeah. I thought that was really cool story too. Yeah. It's, it's very similar to that and it's stuff that's passed down through the generations and, and, and that's how, you know, oral, oral folklore works, which is very cool. And, and it's important to get the, you know, stories down for the generations, I think. Um, that's what I like about your books too, that even though they're, they're firsthand stories right now, mm-hmm. you know, 20 or 30 years from now, people are reading these firsthand stories, but the people maybe that, that had these stories happen to them or maybe 50 or 60 years down the road, yeah. they're maybe they're not around anymore. So they become more historical than they do, you know, like right. you're not collecting historical stories right now. You're collecting recent stories, right? Um, but eventually they will be historical and they're, we're getting them on the books for the for the history books right that's cool that's cool to think about i hope that's i hope that's how it's seen in the future for sure yeah um another thing that's actually very famous um in the appalachians is the bell witch have you ever heard of the bell witch before have not so it's rather famous um witch haunting so John and Lucy Bell were farmers who settled in Adams County, Tennessee in 1803, okay? And they lived peacefully on the farm until 1817 when their family began experiencing odd things in the home. Um, they started hearing voices. They started having a voice in the wall of a, of a woman talking to the family and things moving and she got known as they they named her the bell witch this voice in the wall and for some reason she turned her attention on john bell and um he eventually died from the stress and everything from being attacked by this voice of the bell witch and they even had people come from all over who heard about it this is you know back in 1817 so it's not like you could advertise it on facebook um, but people heard about it and came to the farm to hear the witch talk and and talk to them. And they would hear it too? They would hear it too, yep. And theories go that one of the daughters was able to throw her voice, but it, it's kind of hard to... It, yeah. Who knows? It'd that, be pretty bad if throwing her voice ended up driving her dad mad. Right, and killing her dad. Oof. And so the farm's still there now, and people still go there and investigate it. Um, but... Yeah, the it's it's really kind of strange. And again, you could do an entire podcast just on that one. That all of the strange things that went on and um, all the weird things. But it's kind of a famous one, uh, witch story um, that went on. It it almost sounded more like um, a poltergeist to me than an actual witch. But um, if you read into it a lot and and get to it, there's some witchy things that are involved with it. I guess you could say bad witch. I want to point that out because well yeah not all witches are bad but i'm not gonna get into that either but um i i have i have friends because of what i've done um 
you and I have friends from all different backgrounds, including Wiccan and, and everything like that. And I just respect everybody in there. I just want to say, you know, it's fine. Everybody should respect their everybody else's whatever. I'm not saying witch in a bad way, I guess. But it's called the Bell Witch. Diversity is what keeps the world interesting. Right, right. But, um, uh, but again, um, it, it sounded more like a poltergeist to me. Uh, with the moving stuff and everything like that. But who knows what it was, what it truly was. But it did eventually take his life. And, um, you know, in, in 1817, a good cold could take your life. So you're lucky to live a long time back then. So um, I guess being killed by a poltergeist is something to brag about, I guess, on maybe, the other side. Maybe that's where the term man cold came from. Man cold. <laughs> Like, have a man cold. It's the rinse. end of the world. That's funny. Oh, Annie loves to tease me about my man colds. Um. So, so you've got ghosts. You've got cryptids. You've got a witch. You've got Bigfoot. Mothman. Um, Mothman. And then um, one that I I found that I I really kind of enjoyed. I'd read about it a long time ago. It was fun to get back into. It was called the Flatwood Monster. Flatwood? Flatwood Monster. Yep. Flatwood's Monster. Now, you would think that would be a cryptid, but it's actually a famous UFO. Really? An E.T. story. Yes. So, in the late summer of 1952, two brothers named Edward and uh, Fred May of Flatwood, West Virginia, um, were coming home. They'd been to football, and they were coming home and they said they saw something crash into the forest um, not far from the house. So they ran out into the forest to see what it was. And they came across basically a UFO that had landed out there in the woods. Um, as they were approaching the UFO, a 10-foot tall um, monster. It had a green body and a red face with big eyes. And it seemed to be glowing was coming from the ship and coming towards the boys. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the boys obviously freaked out, as you would. <laughs> Anything 10 foot, fall, 10 foot tall that right. had that description would freak anybody out. So, so uh, first of all, it's 10 feet, about 10 feet tall. It is green, except for its head. Um, other than that, it kind of looked like very similar to um, what you would think a gray alien looked like with kind of a hood. It, you know, it's kind of weird, their explanation of what it looks like. So it starts floating towards the boys, and it's uh, it's hissing at them, which sounds really weird. But um, it starts hissing and floating towards the boys, making Maybe that's weird just sound. And their hissing. language, Maybe. whatever its language was, sounded that way. Whatever it is, the boys take off, and they're so scared they run all the way down to town and grab the sheriff in town. Okay, the sheriff grabs a posse, and them and the boy go, boys go up into the woods. To where this thing was so the ship is gone and the monster's gone but there's signs that the ship was there and um there's a really foul um odor in the air a weird odor they couldn't explain it um but a real really weird odor in the air and kind of burn marks and stuff like that where the ship was and so even though the boys were the only ones that actually saw the monster and they you know told the story and did drawings and and everything like that um it became kind of a famous one because there was actual marks and there was an odor there and 
Um, everybody said the boys were upstanding young men that wouldn't lie about something like this. And so, uh, really kind of strange and unusual. When was see. that? 52, 1952. Okay. Yeah, 1952. So this is actually, it's kind of right in the middle of a UFO flap that's going on over the United States. Um, right after World War II, you had kind of a big uptick in UFO um, activity across the whole United States. And some people associate that with um, the testing of nuclear bombs started at that time. Hmm. And so their belief is they got, when we started testing nuclear bombs, it got the interest of other Alien civilizations who were like, oh, these guys are taking a step up. And you also at that time have, uh, after that, the Roswell crash and many other alien um, uh, extraterrestrial uh, crashes from spaceships and all kinds of stories that's going on. So it's kind of... Maybe they were like, finally these people are advanced enough to actually maybe... Yeah, or they were worried about us. They're like, oh no, little kids with big toys and no big guns. What are they going to do? That's gonna, one thing that they thought about, people have talked about too. Is they're going to kill their planet if we don't Do they them. not know that, you know, testing nuclear bombs are, are bad? It's bad on the environment. <laughs> now, we're like, you, now we're like, oh, don't use plastic straws because that will kill a turtle. And back then they're like, nuclear bombs, boom, yay. <laughs> It's the different. aliens saw the flash from far away and they're like, wow. It's another another Shiny. reason. Another <laughs> another reason that generation's called the boomers because they boomed everything. Kaboom. Um, yeah, it's different for sure. We're, we live in different times. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, that was one that was really kind of interesting, the Flatwood Monster. There was a lot of other um, alien... Um, uh, monsters and there was a one that of a family that was attacked by aliens all night long in their in their cabin in the in the woods which is a, a fascinating one that again I want to do an entire episode on that one incident because it's just so cool it's one of my favorites because it was one of the first ones I read as a kid um, just so you know I need to have a notepad in front of me right so we can write these down yeah well the one good thing is we'll probably never run out of content for no, this, so no. that's one good thing for sure so with all of that um aliens mothman cryptids ghosts grims werewolves little monsters the the everything now we come to the one that is also kind of dear to my heart because of the missing 411 um annie can attest that my missing 411 books are just hash because I've read them over and over again and made marks and everything. And there's two missing people cases from the Appalachians and the uh, Smoke, Great Smoky Mountain National Park in particular that are just weird and strange. So I'm going to start with the more recent one first and then go to the, the second one. So in 1976... Uh, the year one of us was born. I won't say which one. Um, uh, October, uh, October 8th of 1976, there was um, a high school class from Burden High School. 35 kids got to go on this trip. And they went to the Great 
Smoky Mountain National Park. And they're hiking a famous trail um, to what's called Klingman's Dome. Okay. It's a well-worn trail. You, it's really hard to fall off. And if you get off the trail, you, you know, it's easy to see. Well, this is how I get back on the trail. Rocks everywhere. If you look at pictures. There was a, a girl named um, Trini Gibson with her friends. And they're walking along. And Trini gets ahead of her friends a little bit. And walks around a rock. And is never seen again. She walks around the corner of a rock in on, on the path. And that is the last time anybody ever saw her again. She disappeared. And um, it's... Uh, and it's extremely strange. Because they looked for her. Friends looked for her. Then everybody in the class looked for her. Then everybody, the teachers looked for her. Then the... The park rangers looked for her and then they brought in like a hundred and some odd um this was on a saturday i guess they brought in um a hundred and some odd uh, volunteers volunteers that searched that entire area for days and they never found anything of her to this day they've never found anything of her they've never found her bones they've never found her clothes they've never found her identification nothing she literally walked around a corner and vanished. 16 years old, never seen again. Was she wearing a red shirt? Um, I don't know. I can't remember what she was wearing at the time. Um, but uh, I can't remember. Huh. I'll have to look that up because that was one of the older ones, so it might have been something to do with red. But, um, yeah, it, it's just extremely strange that she would disappear like that. Again, she just got ahead of the group a little bit, walked around a, a boulder in the road, gone. Never seen again. And it's amazing how many times that happens, like, to people. Yeah, stay with the group. Stay with the group. Don't leave the group. The minute you leave the group, they call that the point of separation, and you're gone. And they never see you again. Or they find your bones on the top of the mountain many years later, which is so strange. But this one really you know, puts to the point that there's something strange going on. Yeah. That there's something really strange with these missing people going on. So we're going to jump back a little farther. Again, we're in the Great uh, Smoky Mountain National Park, June in 1969, in a place called, uh, called, oh, where is it? It's near Anthony Creek Trailhead. So it's not even on the trail yet. It's near the trailhead. Um, there's a gentleman named uh, Spencer Field has his kids um, with him. They're going on a hike and they're kind of hanging out at the base of the hike where there's a field, a little field, and they meet up with another family and this little boy, um, seven-year-old Dennis and his nine-year-old brother Douglas and then the two boys from the other group say, hey, can we play hide and seek just right here in this little area? And the parents are like, yeah, sure, just stay close. So the boys are playing hide and seek. And then all of a sudden, the other boys are like, where's Dennis? We can't find Dennis. So they start looking, and they can't find Dennis. And they contact um, the... Eventually, they go. somebody goes and gets the help. And uh, Dennis is never found again. He disappeared and was never found again. And he's just in a little little area. 
knew not to leave the area, um, you would, in that short amount of time, he would have been close enough to hear his dad yelling, Dennis, come out, come on, let's go. Or Nothing. if an animal had grabbed him, he was close enough to yell. Right, and that's the thing. People are like, well, kids get, people get attacked by animals and, and everything like that. But you got to remember a couple things. One, there's a lot of noise when that happens, and he was supposedly close. Two, that makes a huge mess. I mean, not to be gross, but if you ever see uh, um, somebody attacked by a mountain lion or a bear or anything like that, it's messy. Well, They're, even if they get away. Even if they get away, there's a lot of blood, there's a lot of torn clothes, nothing ever, never found anything like that. They even brought in, the, this is what's really strange about this story, is they had search and rescue, they had hundreds and hundreds of people there for weeks looking. And all of a sudden, down from the main camp, another camp started, and it was the Green Berets, military Green Berets, and they showed up with weapons and everything like that. And somebody went down to ask them if they were going to coordinate with the other search to find the little boy. And they said, we're not here for the little boy. And then just walked into the woods with their weapons. Really? Yeah. The other thing is, when when kids go missing or when adults go missing, the FBI doesn't normally get involved unless it's proven there's a crime involved or it crosses over... Um, uh, state lines then it becomes a federal case and the fbi gets involved none of those things were proven but the fbi showed up to this case and they weren't helpful they weren't helpful they weren't helpful they it was like they were there to observe and and gather information and they were not interested one bit in what was going on with the little boy but they were there through the they whole want investigation to solve it. yeah it wasn't like they were there to solve it they were there to gather information about something else during Maybe this they meeting. knew what the Green Beret was there for. They probably knew what the Green Berets were there for. They probably knew what had happened. The government probably knows what happens to these people, but yeah. So, you know, it's really strange things that go on. And the, the father, um, he, he went into a depression and um, he had a really hard time rest of his I life. I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, you would feel very responsible. You'd feel really responsible. But it's another one where they never found anything of the boy. That's Nothing. too bad. And, um, yeah, it's really weird. And there's a lot of weird things that went on as well with, you know, other campers further down that saw some stuff that was weird. Um, some sort of creature. And so it, it gets really strange um, with the disappearances. But again, there's a lot of disappearances in the Great Smoky Mountains. And in there, there's an area at the top end of the Appalachians. There's a triangle area up there where people go missing all the time. Um, they call it a, a special triangle, whatever, at the top of there. Um, and people go missing in really weird circumstances like that. For example, um, a bus driver had a bus, you know, with people that were taking people through the triangle. And there was a gentleman on the bus and the bus driver started and drove, drove through the triangle. When they got to the other side of the triangle, that gentleman was not on the bus anymore. Is, is it weird to you that, that that's a triangle? There's the Bermuda, Bermuda triangle. triangle and right. then even in the Skinwalker Ranch that we've been watching, there's a triangle. There's a triangle. Yep. And in Alaska, there's the Alaskan triangle. Um, that where people something go missing with triangles. something with triangles uh, yep it's it's kind of weird but 
Um, it's 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 really fascinating that um, that yeah it has to do with triangles and the weird things that go on. All right, so I paused it because I wanted to look up the name of that. It's called the Bennington Triangle, which is at the top. Um, it's uh, kind of southwest of Vermont up there, and a lot of people go missing in that, including that gentleman I talked about that was just riding on the bus, and then everybody's like, hey, where'd that guy go? The bus was traveling. He was sitting in a seat, and then he wasn't there anymore, and he was never seen again. So that's extremely strange. Um, so... I kind of wonder if they if they roped off these triangles, if the triangle would move. Oh, that's true, too. You never Maybe know. Maybe they need so. people to disappear in there. That's why they're still there. Yeah, it's 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 really weird. Um, just the missing the missing people one really gets me weirded out um, because as a kid and as a teenager, I spend a ton of time in the mountains alone, a ton of time in the mountains all alone and i had times where cody cody and i were talking about this this is my oldest son cody we were fishing up left hand and um you know on the cache national forest and there's been a lot of strange things that goes on up there i've written about in my books bigfoot sightings um creepy kids voices in the in their ufos there's um, lights that go on up there as well um phantom lights and we were talking about the fact that we don't like to fish up there alone, even though we've both done it, because you'll be just fishing and enjoying the day, and then all of a sudden it'll be like somebody poured cold water down your back, and it just gets super creepy for no reason, like you're being watched. And um, even if you're having a great day fishing and catching fish, and that happens, you get out and you go home, because it just scares you to death. And you know how much we love to go fishing and how much we love to catch fish. Yeah. Yeah, it takes a lot to scare us out of there, but both of us have been scared out of there. But, um, yeah, super creepy. And so that's just some of the stuff that's gone on there at in the um, Appalachians uh, Mountains and some of the creepy things that goes, that goes on. And there's a lot more that goes on as well, too. So we may even revisit the Appalachians down the road and talk about it, but... Uh, it's really creepy. Love yeah, it. I, I. It's interesting that they have different names for things over there that are all sort of similar mm -hmm. to what we have out here on the west. And um, yeah, just different names. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, and I love the fact that you can have two cultures that are separated by an entire ocean and everything, and they talk about the same type of creatures just with the different names. That's always fascinating me. Whether it's uh, Northern European, the Americas, Africa, they, they talk a lot about very similar creatures um, throughout history and their folklore. And so it's got to be rooted in something. So it's... It, my word of the day is fascinating, apparently, because I know I've you said like that, that word. I've said it a lot, but I'm creepy. But anyway, uh, thanks guys so much for joining us. Again, we'll have a new one out next week and uh, we'll look for things this week we'll we'll give hints about what we're going to talk about next week and uh as always i am john olson as always annie olson and thanks guys have a good one and a big thanks to everybody for listening to stranger bridgeland podcast big shout out to our great sponsors idaho falls plumbing company if you are in need of plumbing help give them a call and cash valley endocrine and family medicine for all your family medicine needs and as always, thanks to Stranger Bridgerland book series.
check out Stranger Bridgerland. Thank you for joining us in the world of the paranormal. For more stories, visit strangerbridgerland.com.